Before we dive in, I want to let you know that my pediatric food allergy course, Fear to Freedom, is officially open for enrollment right now on emilynolan.com. One more thing before I jump in, I'm a mama, not a doctor. So the information provided in this podcast is for general informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment by a qualified medical professional. Any questions you may have concerning the diagnosis or treatment of a medical condition should be directed to your doctor or another qualified healthcare provider. Hey, Mama, I know that as a food allergy parent, there are so many seasons that we go through, and some of them we can handle the hard stuff, and some of them we just need to put that on pause and circle back to it at another time. This episode may be triggering if you're in one of the seasons where the hard stuff just feels really hard right now, and the stories of food allergy reactions can feel a little bit heavy. So if that's the case and that's the season you're in, I totally respect that. And I'd encourage you possibly to come back to this podcast at another time. This episode is inspired by the life of Oakley Debs. In our family, we've been fortunate to have epinephrine auto-injectors for most of Ollie's life. When Ollie was eight months old and we first received our auto-injectors, I thought, we'll never need to use these. Not my kid. The truth is, it wasn't that I didn't think we'd ever need to use the auto-injectors. It was that I was completely overwhelmed, unprepared, uneducated, and in denial. I didn't want to learn how to use the auto-injector because I didn't want his diagnosis to be real. I figured if the doctor was truly concerned... He would have taken more time during our appointment to make sure I understood exactly how to save our son's life in the event of an emergency. Ollie has had anaphylaxis five times in his life so far, and thank everything, he survived each reaction. Each of those times, I was scared. I doubted myself. My gut said to inject, but I didn't want it to be real. I didn't want to overreact. I didn't want to send him to the hospital during a pandemic unnecessarily. Instead, we gave him Zyrtec, cooled him off, and waited calmly. Each time I prayed his allergic reaction would not be severe. I didn't want to have to explain to people why I injected our son with epinephrine and have them possibly say to me, he didn't need it, you're overreacting. Or how could you have given him something he's allergic to? Or even pity our family. If there had been an opt-out button in life, I would have pressed it every time it came to food allergies. I hated the diagnosis. I lacked the confidence and education to provide the best care for my child. Much of this is due to the gap in education and training in our medical facilities and programs, schools, and even normalizing food allergy prevention and response in the media. Why do we have CPR and AED certifications and not include auto-injector training with the certification? The goal of this episode is for you to walk away with the confidence you need to save the life of your child with food allergies. As evidenced by my story, denial is a powerful defense mechanism in a crisis situation. When we deny reality, we can often end up feeling worse and causing more stress. When we can't accept the current situation as it is, we may become emotional and react in a way that causes more problems. Denial can lead to a delayed emergency medical response, which can mean life or death. We must learn to radically accept what is true right now. 
our child has severe food allergies and they need us to keep them safe. This means as soon as possible, we have to begin educating and training ourselves, advocating for our child, and practicing over and over again to establish confidence in an emergency situation. Meryl Debs, Oakley's mother, is bravely joining us to help us all overcome our fear of injecting our children with epinephrine. Meryl and the Red Sneakers for Oakley Foundation are on a mission to give us all the confidence to epi first and epi fast. I know when we were given an EpiPen back in 2012, the doctor simply handed me a prescription and he said, this might save your son's life one day. That's it. That's all, folks. That's all I was told. I wasn't told when, where, what, symptoms, nothing. I had no emergency plan. I had no protocol. And this is why Red Sneakers is here today, is to try to encourage parents and caretakers to understand when to give the epinephrine auto-injector. And I hope this is helping folks out there to, to know it's okay to go ahead and do it. There is no downside. I don't think we have any documentation of anybody ever passing away um, from epinephrine. Epinephrine is a natural resource that is created inside the body. It's just used in a medical term, used as a prescription. Being in the care of eight or nine allergists now, we've hopped around quite a bit. All but one of those allergists have ha- I've had the same experience with that you talk about, where they give us, I mean, we've had an auto-injector, but the ones that haven't prescribed auto-injectors because we previously had them, never followed up to ask, what's my emergency action plan? How do I inject? When do I inject? What does it even feel like? What is the response going to be like in my child? What's the psychosocial response to the trauma of having anaphylaxis or the auto-injector reaction or injection? And so, One of the things that you mentioned that is just so important is um, having the confidence to inject epinephrine into our children's thigh in the event of an emergency. And I don't want to feel guilty for injecting epinephrine. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to hurt my child. I don't want to be accused of reacting prematurely. But the truth is, as we've learned from Oakley's tragic story, is that it's never too early to be prepared. And it's never too early to inject epinephrine. Dr. Courtney Blair says on this podcast, there's been no reported fatalities from injecting epinephrine. She mentions it feels like a pinch. It burns for two to three seconds, and it makes you feel like you've had several cups of coffee. And that's the trade-off to save your child's life. And you don't have to wait to inject. If your gut says to do it and not second guess it, do it. Meryl, is there ever a food allergy scenario when it's flat out wrong to inject epinephrine? Um, Emily, that question is really hard to answer because um, every reaction is different. Um, And every child has a different type of reaction and may be allergic to different types of things. So there is one area where it is a little gray, and that is whether or not you have a food intolerance or if you have a reaction. Um, a food allergy reaction, that is. And there's two ways in my, in my mind, I'm not a doctor, so 
what I'm going to say now is something that if I were to do it again, or if I had another, a child with a food allergy, I would definitely follow down this road. One, get tested. Make sure you go to an allergist and you get tested and you find out exactly what your child is allergic to. So know the symptoms is my second thing. Know the difference between a major reaction and a mild reaction. If you have two or more of your major reactions, there's no doubt in my mind I would use auto injectors. There is no downside. There is no documented information saying or proof of anybody passing away. Epinephrine is adrenaline in a medical form. So it comes naturally to your body or it is made naturally by by your body. So I personally would choose to use an auto injector after what the experience that I have been through in life. There's no doubt in my mind, I'd rather be safe than sorry, but I'm not a doctor. So every parent needs to do his or her individual research on their child to find out their child's needs. That parent then becomes the advocator for their child, and then they need to use that information and be proactive and tell the necessary people how to care for your child, from caretakers to school, any sort of institution. So it's about the individual. Can we inject auto injectors through pant legs? What about like thick winter pants or heavier materials like sports clothes, denim, or canvas? And do we need to sanitize the injection site first? Okay, so good question. Oakley used to go skiing. And when he would go into like the Little Bear Ski or to like ski school or Mighty Mouse or whatever his little ski, you know, um, school name might have been, I had to tell the ski instructors, yes, my child has a food allergy because they would stop and they would get lunch. And I just simply didn't know how bad it was because we never had a major reaction. Um, And we would put a sticker on his helmet that would say food allergies, uh, please be aware. I then would ask the question, can the needle of the auto injector penetrate a waterproof pant? Nobody knew that answer. Nobody knew. We collectively decided that we would pull the pants down and go through the leggings because there was no documentation. There was no information on that. Um, we do know, though, the pen needles do bend. We have seen and we have proof that the needles have been ineffective and therefore we've had to use a second pen. So because we don't have the correct data on that information, unless we all decide to take our old pens and start stabbing our children's snow clothes, we might have that answer. I would pull my child's pants down and go through the first layer of clothing so that it's not a totally embarrassing moment. I have heard heroic stories of children being trained to recognize signs of anaphylaxis in their friends, injecting them with their auto injector and saving their friend's life. Does Red Sneakers for Oakley offer materials on how to teach friends, classmates, and teammates how to look for signs of anaphylaxis and help their friend inject their auto injector? Yes. Red Sneakers for Oakley actually has a couple of different programs. Um, We have a thing called a Food Allergy Awareness Handbook, which we can get on our website. It can be downloaded. 
Um, we also have new programs that are for age appropriate, nursery through K, we have elementary, we have middle school, we have high school, and we have college. And it's all going to be up on our website and you can download it. Little children don't understand all the time what's going on, but maybe they can say she has a hive or he has a hive or his he's wheezing. Very simple triggers so the child can understand it. It is extremely important for those schools that have younger children who can't express what is happening to them. So the caretakers there really need to be informed to know the first signs. And we do provide that type of information. And all providers, care, uh, child care providers, really should be updated and informed. It could be a very simple health course. I mean, food allergies, it's spelled out for you what the allergens are. It's very simple what the mild and, and, and um, extreme uh, reactions are. We have the information. We just need to read it and implement it. I love Seed's PDS08 Pediatric Daily Symbiotic, and you probably already know that if you're following me on social media. I mix it with my son's daily multivitamin every morning in a beautiful espresso cup when I can to show him that self-care is a beautiful daily ritual. Also, because it contains the dual-phase prebiotic made of short and long-chain carbohydrates, it does take an extra moment to dissolve. This easy-to-use and sustainably packaged symbiotic, meaning it's a two in one probiotic and prebiotic powder is formulated for benefits in and beyond the gut. It's the first children's symbiotic with nine probiotic strains clinically studied in a pediatric population for benefits across digestive, respiratory, and dermatological health. The pediatric daily symbiotic also supports easy, frequent poops, which happens to be my son's favorite topic. PDSO8 even bridges the fiber gap with five grams of fiber per serving. It's a meaningful complement to a healthy diet. Also, it's reassuring to know that the product is free from sugar, artificial colors, flavors, flow agents, binders, preservatives, and if you're listening to this podcast, and likely most important to you, free of 14 classes of allergens. Seed is offering my listeners a 20% code towards your first month. Just head to seed.com backslash Emily Nolan and use the code EmilyN20 to get 20% off your first month today. Meryl, what is your hope for education around food allergy awareness and prevention? Going forward, we're at Sneakers for Oakley in the last week. We had a company approach us called Strax AR. And what Strax AR does is they provide a service where you take your camera. You, at first, it's an app. You download the app onto your phone. Then you go to the app and you can take, you go over a sticker. Red Sneakers for Oakley is going to be providing stickers where you take this app now, you put the camera over the app and a video will pop up and will teach the person right then and there how to use the auto injectors. It's a brand new service. We just got the first video yesterday. 
that sticker can go on their phone, can go on their sports helmet, their hockey helmet, their lacrosse helmet, their football helmet. It can go on their tennis racket, their book bag, their computers. So going forward, we're going to be able to use this sticker as a way to inform anybody else that this person's food allergy is a problem and they can get the information on how to inject the auto injector into that person in an emergency situation. Going forward, all schools need to have a program. All institutions need to have a program. It's very simple. We need auto injectors in all institutions and it can go right next to the AEDs. It can be taught in a CPR class. It's not recreating the wheel. It's adding to the program. That's very simple. I agree. I'm CPR certified and I just recertified myself this year. I had to ask the two instructors a few questions about food allergies at the end because they never covered auto injectors. They only cover CPR and AED. And so what's interesting is I use that model, our allergist now, and I have come up with a plan where we have an au pair that's a live-in. She's a She's a nursing student and we role play. And so we do the same thing. Annie, Annie, are you okay? Right. Or Ollie, Ollie, are you okay? No, no, I'm choking. I'm having a hard time breathing. My eyes are itchy. Uh, Like, okay, I'll get the epinephrine one minute and you call 911, whatever it is, you know, however you role play to the many different scenarios. It could be soccer practice. He might not be sitting down playing Lego. He might be jumping on the bed and have an elevated heart rate. He might come out of the shower. There's many, many different ways to role play. And so we do this quick two to three minute role play once a month where she feels confident that, okay, epi first, epi fast, and call 911 Call Emily if I have time to get off 911 and emergency response. But she knows and she has been given all permission to use epinephrine because I know how Oliver reacts. And I know that even if there are mild hives and she's concerned that it might elevate, she's not going to upset him by doing epinephrine, by using the pen. She's going to be his hero. I agree. I agree. And there's also one other part of um, role playing, which it might be kind of interesting. Um, Oakley took one look at that epinephrine auto injector and he said to me, mommy, please never use that on me. So the child is going to also be scared. And if we could role play past that anxiety of the pen Um, and let the child know this isn't going to hurt that much. Or maybe we take a trainer and we let them um, use the trainer on themselves so they're not scared or use use an old pen on like an orange or something they can get their hands on so it's not this scary, scary mechanism. So um, I like your role-playing ideas. That's great. Thank you so much, Meryl. I just appreciate and bow down to all of the parents who have come before me and been brave enough to give me and all the other parents a map, a roadmap of what we can do to keep our children safe. And it's just so brave of you to um, to look at your pain and grief and to say, well, we can still help so many other 
children and parents and find purpose and meaning in that. Thank you so much. Emily, thank you so much. And to all the listeners out there, I just want you to remember, no one, no individual should die from the simple act of eating. And we need to help other people understand that this is a very simple act and it could be life-threatening. So thank you for having me on your podcast today, Emily. And I hope um, my information is useful and I hope other parents are hearing us because um, you don't want to walk in my shoes. You don't want to be there. Here's Oakley's story. In November of 2016, I tragically lost my son, Oakley, due to a fatal anaphylactic reaction resulting from a mild nut allergy. He was only 11 years old. Shortly after Oakley's death, my husband and I decided to publicly share Oakley's story to help raise awareness about the dangers of food allergies. It was Thanksgiving week of 2016. We were visiting some family in Maine for the holiday. Oakley did not eat much dinner that day, so he was hungry when we got home. He saw some desserts in the kitchen and ate some cake that unknowingly contained nut extract and nuts. He thought the nuts were chocolate. Oakley realized after eating the piece of cake that it might have contained nuts. We did what we normally would do and gave him Benadryl in a pill form. Although he had a hive on his lip, he otherwise felt fine. The hive disappeared after the dose of Benadryl, so he thought we were in the clear. He went out to play for over an hour with his cousins and then came inside and he took a shower and he brushed his teeth. While getting ready for bed, Oakley mentioned that he was having some pains in his chest, but his breathing was fine. About 15 minutes later, Oakley came to my room complaining of a stomach ache and suddenly he started to vomit. At this point, his breathing was deteriorating and I set up his asthma nebulizer and I prepared to give him prednisone. Shortly after the asthma treatment began, Oakley ripped off the nebulizer and he cried out while gasping for air, call 911. Oakley then said to his father, I don't want to die. And he fell unconscious in his father's lap. He went limp and turned blue. The first responders arrived quickly, but Oakley's blood pressure had dropped. He suffered a heart attack and was not breathing. They administered epinephrine, gave him CPR, and used defibrillators and got his heart beating again. But the time frame between his last breath and getting his heart to beat again was too long. Even though he was breathing, no one knew that he had an anaphylactic shock and was brain dead. Oakley's allergy plan was all based on how to respond to Oakley's asthma attacks to keep him breathing. Oakley's doctors never emphasized the importance of using epinephrine. Because of this, we were ill-prepared to recognize the signs of anaphylaxis. In fact, this was the first time I'd even heard the word anaphylaxis. If we had been properly informed on the dangers of anaphylaxis and the importance of always having epinephrine, maybe Oakley would still be here. After the tragic loss of our precious son, Oakley, we saw a need for awareness and founded the nonprofit organization Red Sneakers for Oakley in memory of our son. Oakley wore red sneakers in multiple sports. 
It was only natural that he looked to Oakley's favorite shoes as a powerful symbol to represent the severity of food allergies. Thank you so much, Meryl, for sharing that very intimate and frightening and just heart-wrenching story with all of us. Thank you for being so vulnerable and and you know, your bravery in sharing that is is giving Oakley's life so much purpose by saving so many millions of children's lives and helping parents. You don't want to have to go through that experience and I don't feel that any other parent should have to go through an experience like that. Thanks for listening today. If you're not ready to get started with Fear to Freedom, my pediatric food allergy course, I do have a pediatric food allergy essentials resource with a ton, I mean a ton of incredible resources to get you started on your food allergy journey and healing your child with food allergies. You can download that right now on emilynolan.com and get started. If there's anything in this episode that resonated with you or led you to take action, I'd love for you to share it with me on social as well as any other friends and family that have children with food allergies or newborn children who may not have food allergies, but you know, may have the possibility to prevent it with this information. Remember to rate and review this podcast. It's a great way to give other parents of food allergy children some much needed hope and encouragement. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. I am so so grateful for all of your voices and support and love. And I'm just sending you all a great big hug. Mm-hmm.